excited about today. Got some really good questions. But before I start out, I want to address two questions that have come in very recently so that I can have you um, look at uh, some podcasts that will answer your questions. So my first question is um, that I want you to go back and look at another podcast to answer your question so you're not like waiting. It says, in a marriage, if one person is struggling with something that is sinful, would that prevent the couple from receiving blessings, specifically financially? If so, how does one go about bringing that to their attention so they can overcome it together that question was answered on wednesday or it's very similar i'm going to add to the question really quickly but go back and look on wednesday march 8th which is episode 15th for the most part it answers your question what i would add to the answer when you go back and watch your your question says if so how does uh, one go about bringing that to their attention so they can overcome it together so what I would say to you, if it's something uh, you said they're struggling with it being sinful, so that means they're not um, caved to it, they're not living a lifestyle of it. So what I would tell you to do is uh, pick the right timing. If it's a guy that this is, is for, guys have a timing, uh, a, a, the right timing um, that you have to go and talk to them about things. You can't just walk in on a guy and address a, a, a situation at the wrong moment. They have timing issues, okay? For me, like you can ask me pretty much unless I am in the middle of something super busy um, or crazy, you're gonna be able to ask me a question pretty much anytime. Women are very versatile, we're very flexible. We're, we're, we don't, like we can multitask, right? Guys can't. So to go to them and just start talking about something, you gotta pick the right time. That's just the way it is. So when the moment, and, and you know what the thing is is this, I will tell you uh, in the past, uh, one particular time I really wanted to talk to Tom about a, a specific situation, a specific thing, it wasn't sin or anything, but it was something that was very deep and something that I thought was, uh, that the heart needed to be in the right place for us to have uh this discussed and um like it was uh, it was about the church um so he, he's very good about the church and he's good at discussing it but sometimes his mind is made up very strongly on issues and so he's not a real movable person and those so i knew that i was gonna it was gonna have to be at the right time for me to discuss this so what i did is i did a three-day fast call me crazy but i did because it was that important to me to have his heart so what I did is I did what Esther did I fasted for three days so that when I went in to approach him I would be found with favor and that the door and heart would be open to what was being said it was perfect it worked out great because at the end of the three-day fast God had the moment and the time perfect for me to go in and speak to him when I knew it was the right timing I went in I spoke to him and he actually had the heart to hear what I, I wanted to say. Um, and uh, he ended up actually moving in my direction on it. Uh, but I invested in the time and I spiritually went after it um, in the manner in which the word says, like we wage not against flesh and blood, but against the uh, principalities and the spirits. Uh, so that, that are, are forces for the devil, right? And I'm not saying that Tom was uh, like working forces for the devil. That's not, that was, it's the farthest thing from it. But what I'm saying to you is, is I knew that I needed to make this a spiritual matter. So I took it and I made it a spiritual matter and I went after it spiritually speaking. And it was that important to me. I would suggest to you fast, pray, so that when you go to speak to your husband about this, his ears will hear and his heart will be open. He won't know that you fasted. Tom didn't know I fasted. He knew much later that I fasted over it, but um, I didn't like manipulate. I didn't tell him I was fasting so I could talk to him so I can manipulate the situation. I did everything quietly. I left it up to the Holy Spirit and then it worked out. So. Again, I always go back to it's a matter of the heart. Everything we do is a matter of the heart. And that's what God looks at. And so you have to go after things with pure motives. And so I would suggest to you, let's go back to episode uh, 15 on Wednesday the 8th. Listen to that. 
then I would hit and target uh, speaking to him on a spirit in the spiritual realm, prayerfully, fast, uh, and get in your word to find out exactly what needs to be said, how it needs to be said, and the scriptures that need to follow suit with what you're talking about. Okay, whatever your financial thing or whatever the struggle is or whatever, have the word correlate with what you're saying. You can't defy the word. Fast over the matter and prayerfully go after it as well. Okay, so that one's that. And the next one is, this one's a little bit longer. I'm only going to read the first paragraph, okay? And the reason is, is because you'll know who you are when I give this, this question, okay? How many verses are there in the Bible, the actual number, that unequivocally teach the, that people who reject Christ will burn in hell for all of eternity? What does the Bible predominantly say? The uh, preponderance of the evidence will be the fate of the wicked. Is it perish, annihilation, destruction, destroy, die, be cut off like chaff that the wind drives away, or is it burn in torment forever? Okay, then there's two more par paragraphs, okay? I discuss this. This is very close to the annihilation theory and it may not be close enough for you um, when you're done reading it or watching what I said but here's the thing go to episode 7 on February 8th which is Wednesday Wednesday February 8th episode 7 okay listen I'm here to answer questions and I want to answer questions uh, some of them I'm always going to have a biblical standpoint for the most part of my opinion but my opinion, I'm giving you my opinion. I am not going to do the research for, like, to ask the actual number of Bible verses. Listen. And I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible. And it might not be considered nice. Heather is laughing over there. I'm dead serious about this. Okay. Get off your lazy keister is what I really want to say, but I'm not going to say that. Okay. Listen, get in the Word. Do some homework. Study it out for yourself. Watch this episode that I gave. But here's the thing. You have to do a little bit of homework. People, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do homework too, and I'm going to look things up. But I am not going to go dig so deep for people that, like if I did this whole entire question, you know how many people will watch this podcast for how long? They would start. They would start hearing me teach on this, and then they would turn off in five minutes. Okay, we're not doing that. This the purpose of this is for people to ask a question, me be able to answer that question. My leg is itching. Maybe to be able to answer that question within a fifteen to twenty minute time frame. Tops, tops. Okay, but my job isn't to look up and count numbers of scripture verses for people. Okay, you do that. You do you study out the word a little bit, okay? That's what you have to do. Answer some of your own questions. It's super easy to do. It's just very time consuming. But this is your question, dear, dear soul. This is your question. You need to dig deep. I answered what I'm going to answer for the most part in episode seven, February February eighth. Anything more than that, I'm not doing because. No one will watch this podcast, okay? And if you study it out, guess what? You'll remember it. If I do all of the homework for you, you'll never remember it. Am I being nice? I am being nice, right? My heart is not to insult, but also to be very stern and direct. Like, that. this, this is too much. Way too much. So God bless you, but start counting enough about that start counting the verses it'll help you okay first question and I'm not mad about that last question just so you know I'm not irritated or mad about it but I just think like there's only so much people can ask of somebody to do I know this is a question and answer podcast but you can't ask somebody to count how many Bible verses there are in the Bible you can't do that I mean just um, that's like a wow a big wow on my part but not an angry or an irritated wow it's more like wow that's that's a bit much it 
they may not have at, thought about how many, but like, like processing that, like how am I supposed to count how many scripture verses? You know what I'm saying? Like I have to go through. They did not think that I know everything. Trust me. Oh, please. Okay, after we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go into the bathroom and throw up after what the, 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 the load of hooey that is being spewed at me right now. You're not playing devil's advocate. You're over there like, well, in some ways, Heather, you were playing devil's advocate with your initial thing, which is true. Maybe they didn't process it and think of it like that. I totally concur with you 100%. That's one of their, that's not, well, I know the innocence behind the question could potentially be, I never looked at it like that, but I know that the person could be very innocent in what they're saying. That's why I'm not irritated or mad. I'm more like, that's shocking that you would, ex but, but you're it's so true. Like somebody might be saying, well, I never thought like asking you to count the number is that big of a deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal, but God bless you. I appreciate the question. And I don't want people to be afraid to ask me questions, but let's, when we ask the question, make sure that it's can be answered within a 10 tops. Like let's stick to me. Cause sometimes my, these questions, have required me 20 minutes and god bless some of it's been my fault when i've gone too long in eight years they probably has an app for how many i don't know that question i'm just telling you the question is so vast i just don't know if there is outside of what i already posted about the annihilation theory because it's listen the annihilation theory is very vague it has like five different topics and it's See, we're going way beyond 20 minutes because I'm already talked about something more than it needs to be talked about. Thank you, Heather. I blame you. Oh my gosh, I could see my fat. That's funny. The desk needs to be higher, but if the desk is higher, like after the second podcast we did, the, by the second podcast I said, girls, lower the desk. I mean, like everything's sitting on the desk. And then, do you not know, like, a week and a half, two weeks later, after I said, we need to lower this desk, girls. This is too high. Somebody writes in, you need to lower your desk. <laughs> I kid you not. Somebody sent in a, they didn't send in a question. They were like, you might need to lower your desk because it's, I'm like, mm-hmm. That's too sweet of them to suggest it because at least, you know, whatever. That's kind, you know. But already ahead of you. Heather, quit sending me emails. Okay. I was on break. Okay. Okay. Now to the important things. And I got to find my first question because I'm already. I love these, these questions. Some of these questions today I absolutely loved. But I can't find them. Found it. Okay. First one, I found some of our Catholic rosaries and Mary statue given as family gifts for my kids' first communions. One time I thought they were sentimental keepsakes. Now I wonder if I should toss them. I've been trying to get rid of, of things I have purchased as art or souvenirs like from Egypt and Na Native, that are Na Egypt, uh, well, I guess she went to Egypt, uh, or he, or Native American, that may mm -hmm. represent the occult. Stinks to throw away memories of good family trips and special occasions, but I do not want to. Uh, but I do want to honor God and not honor the enemy. Well, here's the thing. I like. I always say it's a matter of the heart, right? When you look at those things, do, are you like Native American culture is very, very cultish. Um, they do a lot of things. If you hear any banging, we got we got work being done. Okay, so I apologize if you hear banging, but. The work can't stop. So um, if, 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 you, if you bought something on vacation, did you buy whatever you bought? Like they have those Native American dream catchers and stuff like that, like the, for decorative pieces or um, they're hung on the, their, uh, some people put them on their rear view mirror and things like that. I, I'm not a big dream catcher girl. Uh, a lot of people believe in them. I don't. But some people have bought them for decorative pieces. They didn't really buy them because they consider that they really catch dreams, right? Or the bad dreams or whatever. Um, 
So I would say, again, it's a matter of the heart and the reason behind it that this question isn't a black or white. It's not a heaven and a hell. It doesn't say that if you do these things. It, it, it's it, in the Ten Commandments, we're to not have idols, right? So uh, we're not to worship something other than our God. You're not worshiping these things. Um, you're not teaching your kids that, they, that if there's something that um, – you have that's Native American, that it's a truth that's, that, that's what you follow. It's more of a sentimental decorative piece, and, it, and it's looked upon as that. Uh, my son collects shot glasses. Okay, he doesn't drink. But everywhere he goes, if, if I go somewhere, uh, I, I buy him a shot glass, right? It means nothing. We don't look, and, and we have it in our house. Uh, I'm, somebody might come to my house and see that I have shot glasses. Uh, I mean, I don't have, we don't drink at all. We don't condone drinking at all. But some of the wine, uh, some of the shot glasses are pretty dang cool. I mean, I don't, ha I don't take issue with that. It's like work out your own uh, salvation with fear, fear and trembling. So don't put something on something that's not the case. Uh, if it's a family heirloom or sentimental to you, keep it. Like the rosaries. You're not praying the rosaries, right? Um, you're not worshiping the Mary statue, correct? So it's an heirloom. It's a gift. It's nothing more than that. Um, I just don't think you should make more of it. I think it's incredibly... Uh, What's the right word? But uh, I think that it's wise of you to examine those things and see what they mean to you, why you have them, things like that. Okay. Um, but I don't think that it, it's necessary for you to get rid of them. Um, if your heart is pure behind why you're keeping them and if you want them to be passed down but your children know like the catholic faith is missing some things behind it listen there's going to be catholic people that go to heaven there are there's going to be baptists that go to heaven there's going to be pentecostals that go to heaven there's going to be episcopalians and presbyterians all different denominations they're all going to heaven some of them have things in them that they shouldn't have uh, that that aren't actually scriptural, but people are going to heaven that are in those different denominations, right? They they've they've got a relationship with the Lord. They've repented of their sin. They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that He died on the cross so that they might be saved. So for me, it's don't worry about it. If your heart is pure, the reason behind them behind it, if you have something that you know you pass down to your children and you have a little note with it and says this we bought this at this date and it's sentimental because of this and you don't even have to do that but your kids will know they're not going to start becoming catholics because you kept a mother mary statue right they're just not um i don't know i just don't get deep, too deep in the weeds just always examine your heart but don't get deep into the weeds about things okay uh next question so if i'm divorced not from adultery or abandonment does porn addiction or unnecessary business travel to be continuously away from the home count if i divorce not in the will of god can i never remarry now or is there a path for me to repent and then be eligible in god's eyes to eventually date and marry i'm 16 years divorced and now i am living as a christian Okay, so let's take away everything that you said prior to this except for the last sentence. Okay, because the last sentence is the most important sentence that you said of everything. Okay, it says, I'm 16 years divorced and now am living as a Christian. Okay, sounds like you were not saved at the time of your divorce 16 years ago. Okay. The Bible is very clear. You are accountable for what you know, not for what you don't know. If you were not saved 16 years ago and you divorced for reasons other than um, adultery and abandonment, then you're okay. Lots of people that are saved today and remarried were not that when they got divorced, they didn't know any better. They didn't know that they couldn't just 
I'm falling out of love or we've grown apart or he looks at porn so I'm leaving okay they didn't know that it was a sin okay they didn't know that you can't divorce for those reasons so when they got saved it's under the blood you're forgiven you don't have to worry about a thing at all if you committed adultery and we're not living for the Lord okay if you committed adultery not living for God your spouse divorced you for that then got saved and now are remarried you're okay you weren't saved we are accountable for the sin we are accountable for what we don't or what we know not for what we don't know there are a lot of people uh there are some christians and the divorce rate's very high in the christian realm and it shouldn't be but there's a lot of people who are divorcing for non-biblical reasons I mean it's a risk I'm not gonna say I don't know what happens specifically I don't know that you where the forgiveness lies in that that's a chance you're taking because it says that you can't get divorced for any of but two reasons people always like to throw porn in there um, I'm not saying that that's what you did. I'm just saying, in general, people like to throw porn in the mix. Uh, he committed adultery. It, it, it is true. Lust is uh, lust of the heart is like lust of the flesh. Okay. But here's the line I will say to you. If the person didn't commit actual adultery with a physical human being, I don't know if you can fall on the porn. Okay. Because people could get divorced all the time and that's not what that's not what Jesus's intentions were when he was talking about adultery and abandonment or uh, excuse me adultery being the only reason so I don't know if you can really use porn as a because there's no physical act of even though it says lust of the um lust of the eyes is the same as lust of the flesh I do understand that but I just I think that's a, that's a deep dive to a certain extent and I think it's kind of risky to, to get a divorce over that but you're and, and here's the thing you if you were not saved which it sounds like you were not saved at the t at the time you're okay you definitely can get remarried you can you're you're totally fine you're totally fine I'm glad you I'm glad that um, that you did become saved I'm glad that you care about that question. I'm glad that you're you're considering whether or not it's something that you should or shouldn't do. But you are absolutely, if you were not saved 16 years ago when you got your divorce, you're fine. And you are now. Get married. Have, well, it's 16 years ago. I was going to say have children. But depending on your age, you might not, not want to or have be able to. <laughs> now, don't adopt. It depends on, she's my age and it was 16 years ago. I don't have any any desire for adoption none whatsoever so be free have fun within reason only date Christians never an unbeliever and only marry the guy that or girl that God's told you to to marry don't do it don't make the same mistake twice um so there you go the next question what's your favorite flavor of ice cream I have a few, but my ultimate, ultimate, ultimate favorite favorite ice cream is chocolate peanut butter. I love chocolate peanut butter. It's the best, like the best of the best of the best. Next, next best is mint chocolate chip. Yeah, Heather, Heather knew I liked that one. I love chocolate. I mean, I love mint chocolate chip. Your mint mouth is minty fresh afterwards for a short period of time, and then the dairy kicks in. And it turns you, your whole mouth sour. But you know what I really, really love? This is not the best. Chocolate peanut butter is the best, right? But I love, Heather knows this too. Like, uh, I've tried to, I'm trying to lose weight. Okay? Heather's laughing. Along with the gummies that I'm eating right now. <laughs> My weight gummies. <laughs> When I get home, I have to take two. Um, along with my weight gummies and my intermittent fasting, I'm trying to not eat ice cream. Ice cream is my Achilles heel. I love it. Chocolate, it's a whopper. It's a doozy. 
kills me every time. So, like in the um, office here, Heather, I'm gonna have um, well, I'm gonna have Tracy take a picture of this big. It's a it's Heather bought this ice bucket for when we have guests come into town, uh, for guest speakers. Oh, one of our working guys. I love him. He just blew a kiss at me. He's a sweet. He's a sweet boy. Um, so, it the ice bucket. I just thought I was thinking cause people are gonna say he blew a kiss to you. That's inappropriate. No, he's like he's like he's not like my kid, but I've witnessed to him. I'm trying to get him saved. He, he thinks I'm like his mama, you know. But he's not my kid. But he thinks I'm his mama. <gasps> oh, this is my husband. Hold on. Heather's going to catch and talk. Answer Tom. Okay. That's live and in person. Okay. So we have a big, huge ice bucket. And uh, it's full of cookies, candy, hard candy, soft, chewy candy. I'll have her put it on there for everybody to see uh, because it's chucked full. Like, it's, it's big. Does he need me? Okay. What time is it? Hmm. He doesn't know that he's, he, he, he might have been calling for his food order, but probably not. He's got 30 minutes, and then I'll take it. So, like, we have a real problem here. We have buckets of, cheat, of um, snack bags of chips and then good healthy snacks, too. But the bad ones are always calling your name. It's not good. And once you have one, it's like a chip. You can't stop. So I don't start with ice cream. I did have some last night because I was it's my cheat day. Healthy, like Halo. Like Halo's good. They have a chocolate peanut butter one. But here's the thing, you can't like even with Halo, you're only allowed to eat a little part of that and then the the, the cali so like you're like killing yourself. Like what's the point? I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it to me. I'm not. I refuse. It's either all the way or nothing. Thank you. Yes, all or nothing. That's it. Back to ice cream. So Culver's. I don't know how many of you guys love Culver's, but I love Culver's. I love their food. I love their ice cream. Tom loves their shakes. They got some good shakes. I, what is that? Is that what, what kind of what kind of ice cream is that? That's not ice cream. It's custard. It's thick and yummy. So they have a blackberry cobbler. I love their blackberry cobbler um, ice cream. You know that they have the flavor of the flavor of the week. No, it's flavor of the day, right? It's flavor of the day. That's how much I don't go because I love it. So they every and just like on Friday, I think. Blackberry cobbler was their favorite flavor of the day. I, I, Heather just said that's her jam. It is. I love it. I love blackberry cobbler. It's like nothing. I didn't, though. I did not turn my car around. First of all, I'm intermittent fasting. And then I thought, I'll go there when I get off my fast. But then I was like, I'm not going after I get done with my fast. Because you know what? I don't want to go back out. So I did. Plus... It's not good. It's not good. I like ice cream gets on me way worse than anything else. And then custard is even more better than, and that's not proper English right there, but it's better. It is more better than regular ice cream. So favorite ice cream is chocolate peanut butter. If anybody ever wants to get me anything, get me a waffle cone with chocolate peanut butter ice cream in it. Hi, Brindley. And I will love you for life. Then there's always mint chocolate chip or blackberry cobbler from Culver's. Love it. My baby girl, my little, she's like my grandbaby. My little baby Brindley was just puking through the a window at me. So, Okay, we have a lot of action going on around here today. So, next question. I am struggling with the fact that my parents and siblings are not saved. That would be tough. I, I, that would be tough. She goes, I am Cambodian, and I was raised Buddhist, but it never felt right to me. Isn't that funny? Because God is God. I mean, you, people 
I've known of other people who have done other religions, and they just always sensed and knew that this isn't it. Like, there's there's something more. It's just so amazing how God formed us and made us be like that, just so that you will come to him. Like, everybody has a fighting chance. Um, everybody has a fighting chance. Someday I'm going to tell you Tracy's cousin story. Like... For the people who've, it's, who have been concerned about suicide or lost somebody um, that didn't know the Lord. And she, had a, she has a story that's similar to a family member of mine's story. That it will just inspire you to know that up to our last dying breath, God is fighting for us. Tooth and nail. And it's such a relief. And knowing that that's the case with God. But it's a beautiful story about a family member that she just recently lost. But I'll wait on that. It's just, it, it gets you right in the feels, that's for sure. So, so she goes, I am Cambodian. I was raised Buddhist, but it never felt right to me. I met my husband at 17, got pregnant at 18 in college, and saved at 24, then got, uh, got married right away. My husband finally found Jesus right before attending Foundation Church. So you're a Foundation Church member. I think I know who you are. And if this is who I think it is, it's I love this girl. Oh, I love her. Cute as a bug in a rug. We couldn't grow in our faith because we, never, we were never united in church, but we are now in Foundation Church. How can we be saved as a family at church? Is there something you will do at some point for folks like us? Please guide us in our, uh, on our next steps. So let me bring some relief to you. You don't need to get saved again. You don't need to get saved as a family. You, that's not even in the Word of God. You don't get saved as a family. You get saved as an individual. Now what you do is each person has received its own, their own salvation, right? As a family unit, you come together. Every person plays a part in the family and how they are to operate as a Christian unit unit okay that doesn't mean that you get saved as a family to make the Christian unit work you're already saved you don't need to come to that agreement as a family together when you ask the Lord to be your Lord and Savior your husband did and then eventually if your children haven't as they do everybody operates as a Christian in that family to make a cohesive unit. Everybody has a role. If the roles do not operate as they should, then getting saved as a family unit is not going to change that fact. What's going to change that fact is, for example, the husband. The husband is the priest of the home, right? So if, and the wife is the support, correct? You're, and, and, and husband and wife are to submit to one another. But ultimately, the wife submits to the husband if a decision has to be made and they can't co uh, come to a complete agreement on it. So here's where the, the roles get jammed up. The husband is the priest of the home. He's working. He, your husband's newly saved, right? He's trying to find his way. And he's about to make a decision that you don't agree with, but it's not... It's not that it's not uh, a, a godly decision. It's just not the one that you think he, sh he should make because you're more spiritual than him, correct? You have more a spiritual um, hearing. So he does. he's about to make a decision, and he believes in his heart this is the one that he should make for the family. You disagree with it completely because you feel like you hear the voice of the Lord better. He's more immature in his faith, but he's trying to figure it out. So what you do is you start to subvert that authority and try and coerce him, manipulate him, and not submit what he's saying because you know better. Okay, God's not going to honor that. First of all, if he's seeking the Lord and he's about to make the wrong decision, his heart is in the right place. So the Lord is going to help him figure this out if you are right and he is making the wrong decision. God will fix it. God will make it work. And even if he makes the wrong decision, God will still fix it because the heart is in the right place. But what is wrong is you. And you'll answer for this too. Because 
God is not going to honor your manipulation or your, you not being submissive to your husband when he is trying to do what is right for the family. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. Um, so all of us have a part to play to make the family be a co- cohesive unit and to run as a biblical home. Okay? When we step out of those things, that's when everything gets jammed up and doesn't work properly. And if he were to make the wrong decision, what you're going to do is as he's making the wrong decision, you're just going to ask the Lord to keep showing him and showing him and showing him the right path. And you're going to be that support to him and help him find, you know, give him, him, help the Lord give him guidance through this process. Okay. Uh, But we have a responsibility. Your husband is the ultimate authority. And he has the biggest, he has the biggest, uh, well, I won't, I, I, I think it is true. Um, I was going to say he's got the biggest role to play as far as he answers to God the most and how the family will return, uh, respond and how the family, because he guides it. He's like the shepherd. So how he behaves and how he, what kind of example he leads and how he leads this home biblically, if it's not right, he answers to God, which is kind of a scary thing. Uh, so there are lots of lots of scripture verses for him as being a father if he's a father ephesians 6 4 says and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the lord if you want your child to be saved your husband's going to have to do that it's huge fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the lord if you do opposite of that, plan on them not serving the Lord. That's the truth. So that's a huge role. That didn't say mothers and you mothers. It says and you fathers. Okay, super important. Also, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is what you have to do now. Uh, your family is saved. So husbands and wives huge play a huge part that keeps a family intact a husband and a wife staying married and not divorced okay you have to do that you have to be a united front so that's where it begins and then it trickles down to the children so that they are saved so that they come and have a strong relationship with the lord kids are the only thing you can take to heaven outside of yourself you can't take your spouse because he has a personal choice but your kids it's your job they are your investment you have the ability to ensure that they go to heaven or they may not they may they may not go to heaven but but a lot of times the reason they don't go is because of the training that they were they were under the training was bad um if a parent wasn't saved or while they were training their child up that doesn't mean all hope is lost you're not you can't win them to the lord no you got you got a fighting chance um the the word says that uh, God honors the prayers of the righteous, right? So, and they avail much. So start praying over your children. Um, you can also be the example to your kids. Make them want what you have. That's not all, all hope is not lost. Uh, you have still a great deal of power and authority over where your children end up, end up whether they're adults or still small. Uh, be the godly example. Win the loss. Show them what it looks like to 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 be out there winning the lost. Uh, uh, you also should be winning the lost if you don't have kids. Uh, the other thing is is make disciples. So your children are your disciples. You should be training them up to be disciples in the Lord. Also, you should be out there winning the loss and and training people to be disciples. Your kids will see that. But as adults, that's our jobs to do. And then um, also pray in front of your kids. Pray. Pray in the Spirit. Make sure they're seeing you read the Bible daily. Those are all things super important. But as a husband and wife, you should be praying about your marriage. You should be praying about your family. And and even if you don't have kids, uh, you should be praying um, over opportunities to witness. You should be making sure that your marriage stays first and foremost um, outside of your walk with God and your relationship with the Lord. Lord first, God first, marriage and husband and wife second, then kids. A lot of times it gets jumbled up. God first, if he's lucky, uh, kids second, 
and husband or wife third. But truth is, most of the times it's kids first, husband and wife second. If they're lucky, God third. That's not good, but that's just the way it is. And it causes big issues. And that's the reason why lots of marriages don't stay intact. A lot of kids uh, uh, don't become saved. Divorce has played a huge part. Satan is very cunning. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has, he has destroyed the family. And through the destroying of the family, he uh, has created instability with kids. Kids now have uh, seen how divorce parents marrying over and over and over again. So marriage is not looked as a sacred covenant, a binding contract. They look at it as if it, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. I'll keep trying until I find the right one. It is not. It is not something that is easily walked into and ex- easily exited out of. It is something that when you say I do, that is forever. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Outside of adultery and abandonment. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You stay committed, you stay to that person, and you work it out. There's no other options. Uh, but that's not what we do anymore. Even in the, even in the um, church, it's very willy-nilly. Like marriage is, is not looked at in the manner in which it is in the word would you agree with that yeah Yeah. it's 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 just it's it's just so flippant people um i ate lunch with um someone it i ate lunch with this uh beautiful woman on um friday oh my gosh she so sweet oh my gosh she told me her husband now let's see how long have they been married over over 40 years I can't remember 47 I think it is get this Tracy she knew him for three days three days and got married to him yeah that's nuts that's crazy still married now would I say that people should do that today absolutely not but the difference between her her and her husband versus modern day society or even not even there are people in her age bracket that knew each other far longer than three days and they walked away from their marriage just like that no what this husband and wife did is they got married after three days and the commitment that they made was a commitment and no matter how hard or how tough times got which i don't even know if they ever had any hard times she spoke of none of that um if it was easier, if it was hard, regardless of the circumstances, there was no out for them. They were in it for the long haul, against the odds. They have a beautiful marriage, beautiful relationship. They're sweet as pumpkin pie. He's been, he, he was healed of cancer in our church. Yeah, you did his testimony. Yeah, he is very strong in his faith and um, got healed of cancer when the doctors told him you you'll never be healed unless you get treated and he's like i'm not getting treated he would you know he made a stand he had it for years years cancer free if you're sick in your body and you or you took the vaccination and you're feeling the repercussions of it foundation church that's all i can tell you we see so many healings in this place it's insane all the time so if you need, if you have sickness in your body, if you need healing, we'll definitely pray over you. That's for sure. Come visit. Don't be shy. We pretty much have, we have people who are up at the front all the time that uh, are praying for people. But then Tom lays hands on the sick constantly. So every, almost every Sunday he lays hands on the sick. But he, he lays hands on people as they're leaving. He prays over people all the time. We stand out at the front and as people leave and we talk to people and he's always praying for somebody so if you're sick and you need healing and you need hope please visit foundation church we'd love to pray with you next question age difference how far it far is too far and i believe this question this doesn't didn't say but i believe this question is based on one of my last podcasts that talked about dating right what do you know what podcast that was was that last week's like how to get a man was it about flirting and da- in dating and how far apart should you date that was like last week now she'll put it on the bottom for you 
like if you're uh, single and you're wanting to find a mate, how much of an age difference should there be? That's what I'm believing. That's what this question is about. This is my opinion. There's nothing in the word of God because here's the thing. Guys, like when um, Isaac got married, he was 40 years old. 40. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac got married at 40 to uh, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Rachel. I got to go through my list. So, so normally for uh, normally the average age for a girl that got married in the biblical times was right around 14 14 to 18 okay that's gross to me i'm going to be honest with you that's disgusting but that was their that was that was the culture right pedophilia the culture my goodness gracious but they also got married very young boys men married very young too it just so happened like he was very he was abraham was way out there in the promised land very there wasn't anybody you always married within your family they weren't close to the family so uh so isaac married his mother's brother's daughter does that make sense so they had to go back to uh the servant had to go back to that family to get get him a wife so th- that's a very large age difference okay i don't agree now the bible like i said the bible does have major age differences in it that's old testament not new testament um my opinion is 10 years anything over 10 years and it's getting a little skeevy and gross either way Personally, though, I will tell you, I really don't know what a 30-year-old woman would have in common with a 20-year-old man. Like, men are very immature altogether. So when you're dating that 20-year-old guy, in my opinion, it's like dating a 16-year-old. Tops, 18. Tops. Gross. Like, what do you have in common outside of pure lust and, like, trophy? Like, you want to have this trophy with you. Now, women are different. We're more immature by nature. Not me. I am not. I've never have been. I have ne- I've been so, I'm, I'm, I'm so immature. I mean, I'm mature. But, listen, when I was 23, I was dating a 19-year-old. Yeah, I acted like I was 16. He was more mature than me. He was hot, though. Oh, my word. Let me just tell you this. I would go out with this guy, and he wasn't a boyfriend. I didn't want to. Have, I didn't want to have a solid relationship with him or anything like that. Just wanted to go out and have fun. Um, but he was so dang hot. Like people would, he would, people would stop dead in their tracks. My friends even were like, "How in the world did you get that guy?" And I had to honestly respond with, "I don't know. I've asked that same question myself. I had no idea how that guy liked me." Outside of the fact that I work for a company where I got, like, free tickets to sports events, and he might have dated me for that. He might have used me. And seriously, I don't blame him. It's sports events. They were great seats. He was a trophy. <laughs> he was a trophy. I didn't mind. I didn't mind being used. I didn't. Because um, he was good looking. But really, seriously, Anything more than 10 years is just gross to me. I mean, what do you, Tracy, what do you think? think 10's it, right? Like my sister, her husband, he's 10 10 years older than her. She's super mature. Like my sister, my older sister, she acts older than her husband. Like he's kind of, he's kind of like me. Like he's a kid at heart. Men are kids at heart. They're children, right? They're children. They're fun. That, that's what makes them so appealing, right? Right. So she's mature, more mature than him. And my younger sister, she married somebody. I think he's eight. If he's not eight, he's just, he might be seven. But he's like eight, eight years older. But, she, but she's more mature than me. Like my younger sister, way more mature than me. In a lot of ways. In some ways, no. But that's a good fit 
they are they fit really good together he's such a great guy he's not really immature though he's not got a lot of child in him her husband no mm -mm. man he's a great guy just he's a he's a, such a sweet man uh he looks like george bush oh yeah oh yeah looks like not senior junior Holy mackinoli. He looks like... I see. I think George Bush is a nice-looking man. Yeah, right? But, yeah, she did good. She did good for herself. He's a good-looking guy. He just... Uh, he's just not very childlike. But she isn't either. They're a perfect match. Yeah, I think it is... I think it is maturity. Um, I think it is maturity. I think that's a big thing. Um, like, Jared's not mature at all. He's, what is that? You're only four years apart? Tom's younger than me. Uh, he likes to say two years, but that's not true. Because I am, well, right now we're the same age. I mean, we're not the same age. We're close. I am, I am 55. I have to think about it. He's 54, but when we have that two-year time difference between May and September, he likes to say it's two years. When really it's like a year and a half, a little, a little bit more than a year and a half, but not by much. So, yeah. But I like younger guys. I like Jared. I never date really dated my age. Mm -mm. No. What? You always dated older? Really? Okay, hold on one second. Let's get personal with Tracy really quick. How much older? What's the oldest guy you ever dated? If you're a freshman in high school, you always dated a senior. Yeah. Okay. You always dated seniors, even if you were a sophomore? Yeah. Did you ever date anybody who was in college when you were in high school? Yeah. Yes. Huh, interesting. I only dated, I think I've only dated one guy that was older than me. And the rest were younger. Yeah. Yeah, I dated uh, the pastor's sons. The pastor's sons. That's... <laughs> Plural. That's kind of weird. There are only two boys, too. They didn't have any other kids. <laughs> but I dated the older brother first. Super nice guy. Not really a boyfriend. He was in college, so he would come home, and I would date him. Did she need you? And then I dated uh, his brother, his younger brother. No, I, I never dated for very long. Probably six months with the older brother. And probably three or four with the other brother. Maybe a little bit longer than that, but not by much. But he, he went gay. I, I don't think I turned him gay. No, it's not my fault. Mm -mm. He's, like, he, he was on American Idol. Not American. Was it American Idol? He's in, he's in um, England. He lives in London, I believe. Very, like, he's, listen, if he hadn't gone gay, if he looked like he does now, and wasn't gay, and I knew him back in the day. Like, Tom's the one I was supposed to marry, right? I would have dated that guy a lot longer, though. Good-looking. Good-looking guy. Turned out to be a really good-looking guy. He wasn't as good-looking then. But, you know, your kid. Your kid. Like, he was, I think, I was 18. I think he was 17, something like that. And you're in that weird, awkward stage. But he was so, both very nice guys. Very good guys. They're the pastor I mean I don't know if they were, I don't think they were saved but pretty sure they weren't yeah they weren't I didn't do anything bad but no they weren't I don't think they were saved but they were very very nice boys but their parents were a hot mess so that probably had a lot to do with it yeah not good but very nice guys so I say back to you not to me 10 years is it don't go over that. Don't go under and don't go over. Like dating somebody even 10 years younger than you, unless you're a guy. I know that sounds so sexist, but it's so true. Like, it's a maturity thing. I mean, it's really cool to be a, that air condition popped on and it feels great, but it's really cool to be a cougar. I think nowadays for women to be cougars and date men that are a lot younger, like cleavage is about to show date men that are a lot younger than them so you can say hey I can get a younger guy but well, I mean what do you have in common there's nothing 
you have nothing in common unless you're in your 50s and he's in his 40s that makes sense to me mm -hmm. but yeah but here's the thing my tom loves this show called million dollar listing and the new ones right now and the girl there what's her name I think it starts with a J. I can't remember. She's the only girl realtor. She's ridiculous. First of all, her attire is off the charts inappropriate, in my opinion. Second of all, she's 40-something years old, divorced, with two girls. She's dating a 20-something-year-old guy. She's a joke. I'm sorry. She's a, People would say, well, you're just jealous. No, no, no. Not jealous at all. I mean, have you seen my husband? Not jealous at all. But you look ridiculous. First of all, she doesn't dress her age. You're in the 40s. You're, you're not in high school, so quit dressing like you are. Come on. She looks so insecure and so... In Tracy, that's it. She was born in 75. She's born in 75. So how old is she? It's, she's Okay, because seriously, she, I knew she was in her 40s. I just didn't know what number it is. Okay, because she said she's in her 40s. And the guy she's dating is like 26 or 27. 27? No, she's, uh, I don't know. She's okay. And they talked about it, how there's 20-year age difference between them. And they, come on. Get a grip. Like, come on. It's ridiculous. 27. Thank you. You just look, for me, that's screaming desperate. Like, you are trying to, like, relive something. Grow up. I mean, you're making lots of money. But this thing right here, it ain't on screw tight. It's not. Dating somebody 20 years younger. He's a very good looking kid. But it's... After you stop filling your face with Botox and your lips and everything else, eventually your true age is going to show and he's going to dump you. And maybe that's all she cares about is just using him, he's using her. But for me, self-respect. I like myself too much. I mean, again, I call myself a Bentley. I like myself too much. I would never. But they're not saved either. Take that into consideration. But still, even if I wasn't saved, no, not doing it. Not doing it. Okay, next question, because I got two minutes left and I want to do my salvation. So, just wanted to know what the Bible says about cremation and maybe your views about it. Okay, there is absolutely nothing in the scriptures about cremation. Okay, it does say that you'll return to the earth like dust. Your body is going to go back to dust. So I have family members that have been cremated. I have family members that have been buried. My dad is, is buried. That's how he wanted to be done. My mom wants to be cremated. So they're just going to put, once she passes away, on top of his box, they're putting her cremate, cremated remains. It's not, for me, cremation is not that big of a deal. It's a big deal to people because you're going, you're putting your body in fire. You're dead. Your soul is in heaven. Who cares? Genesis 3.19 says, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, for out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Let's look at the burial process. The burial process is where the oxidization uh, of your body breaks down and, and, and then it turns into dust. Okay, the cremation process does what the burial process does in minutes. So the cremation process has an oxidization of process. So when everything is finished, your body is now dust. When they, listen, I've seen it. I've seen the cremation process. One of my jobs, one of my many jobs that I've had in my life was in uh, the, uh, not cremation, although it was, I worked for a um, funeral home. I couldn't think of the name. Yeah, I did. I worked for a funeral home. I know. And what I did is I, I've, I've done sales pretty much all my life. So what I would do is I would help, and I did this for a very brief period of time, but I would help in the sales department of selling people's, uh, whether they're, they're plots for when they passed or cremations, whichever way they wanted to go. So if you wanted a burial plot of land, I helped set that up for you. And then like 
so that the family didn't have to go and spend so much money. You buy it in advance, you save the money, so that when it happens, you know, decisions, like people make such bad decisions, impulsive decisions, when they have to make a decision right now. And especially in the middle of a loss, like your your heart is just, so you might spend way more on something that the family member didn't want you to spend, all because of the loss and your heart being broken over it. So there is something to be said for these people who actually work for funeral homes and help prepare people for the after, right? Like to make good sound decisions. So it's a great profession. The funeral, it's a very lucrative profession, but it's a much needed profession in my opinion. Um, because you can get somebody who'll take advantage of you in, in, a, in a very desperate time. So one of the things that I did when I worked for the funeral home is I learned the process of embalmment to cremation. And one of the things when you walk in and they have the big, huge cremation burners going, they're like tubes, and they stick the body in the tube. And when the, when, and it is hot in there. It's hotter than tar. I mean, it is hot in these places. When they pull, they put you in, and then they pull you out, not you per se, but the body, uh, they pull you out. Literally, you, it's a pile of ash. It's a pile of dust. And they just sweep it up, and they put you in your little urn. Whereas if you're buried, the embalmment process keeps your body preserved for a much long period of time, but you're still going to turn to dust. That's just the, the way it is. So I was about to say that's just the facts, which is what I say all the time. <laughs> that's just the truth. So truthfully, one or the other, it doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't say you can't be cremated. People just have a bad thought process on it because it's fire hell they they you know look at it as the same way as hell like hell's got fire so do you put your body in to fire i say do whatever you want to do cremate bury whatever you want to do cremation's much cheaper but other than that i mean don't worry about it cremate my mom don't care either my mom's like i'm doing it you know because people have questioned her she's like i'm doing it i my soul isn't going to be in the fire. It's in heaven. So um, with that, that leads us straight into salvation. When you go into the fire, when you go into that burner, where will your soul be? Will it be in heaven or will it be in hell? Truth is, only you know that. I say that funny, but it's not funny. Listen, hell is real. It's very real. And if you've never studied it out, I say this a lot. You need to study it out. People think hell is going to be like earth. It is not like earth. And you need to really know, if you're not saved, you really need to know where you're going and make sure that's really where you want to go. Because I think if you studied it out, you'd, you'd get saved really fast. Um, and everything that you think that you're giving up, you wouldn't care. It wouldn't matter to you. You'd be like, that... I don't I don't get to get drunk every weekend anymore, but I don't get don't have to go to hell, but I'm going to be saved from hell. I'll give up the drinking every weekend. You find out the way salvation sin. Salvation sin, you'll be like <laughs> it's super fast, super easy, quick decision. Not a problem. So if today's the day that you would like to rededicate your life or you'd like to get things right, I want to be that person that helps you do that. And it's as simple as saying a sinner's prayer. If you just say this prayer with me, you're going to heaven. You have to live a godly lifestyle, though, after you say this prayer. If you falter and fail, just get it right. It's not a big... Struggling with sin is way different than living in sin. You will not be allowed to live in sin after you say this prayer and go to heaven. So if you say it and you mean it, and then you live and strive to be a believer, you're going to heaven. But if you say this prayer and then go out and live the same lifestyle as you did before, you didn't mean it. It's not happening for you. That's just the way it is. So say it and mean it and then change your life around. And let's do this right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I'm going to turn my life 
around 180 degrees, go the opposite direction from living for the devil to living for you. Whatever you say, I will do. Whatever you say not to do, I will not do. And when I die, I'm going to heaven. I thank you for what you did on that cross. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I don't make my prayers be all these theological mumbo-jumbo, fancy-schmancy. It doesn't need to be fancy-schmancy. All God wants to, to hear is from your mouth that you mean what you say in the most simplest of forms. People make things so complicated. The Bible's not complicated. Being a Christian is not complicated. It's super simple. Just black and white. Simple, easy. And if you live a simple, easy life, you stay away from sin, you do what the Bible says to do, and you don't do what the Bible says not to do, you'll live a happy, easy, solid life. Amen? See you next week. Or excuse me, it might not be next week. It might be on in two days. Whatever it may be, I'll see you soon. Have a great night and take it easy.